This is a Broad Pods production. Welcome back to the Leaky Pipeline podcast. In today's episode, we're sitting down with Steve Kittle, a leader in the M7, M12 integration team. With 30% women in his team, Steve envisions a workforce that reflects clients and the wider community. Join us as we explore how he's reshaping construction, emphasizing environmental and social impact, and challenging stereotypes. Steve shares insights on the evolving industry, making a compelling case that building stuff is not just a job, it's quite fun. My name's Steve Kittle. I'm a construction professional in the infrastructure in a construction industry. Uh, at the moment, I'm the project director on the M7, M12 integration project, which is you know, a one half billion dollar job leading a, a staff team of over 200 and, and out on, on the project, probably uh, around 700 people every day. So another exciting challenge in my career. A huge challenge in your career. So Steve, I really wanted to talk to you today because you won a pretty impressive award last year in New South Wales. It was the Male Allies Award. So I wanted to talk to you a little bit about that and and how you felt about winning that award and 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 how you got there. Sure. So look, there are one or two things I've done. I think I've done well in the industry, and and I must admit that that was a very proud moment of mine. And I guess it's not through the work that I've done. It's actually through the work of a number of teams that I've been involved with uh, or leading or simply just been a part of. And those teams have done some really impressive work. You know, for probably almost two decades, uh, I think I really got very involved in the gender space in about 2007, 2008. And I think all of the things that the industry is pushing and then the things that I've been pushing in my sphere of influence um, with some fantastic people that I've been working with, uh, I think we've just continued to challenge the norm and continue to, you know, whether it's developing initiatives or, or making pledges or getting commitments from senior management or, uh, or doing functions or just, you know, initiatives on site just to get um, more women into the workplace, both professionally, but, uh, you know, on blue collar as well. There's just a lot that we've I, I guess I've kept on doing, kept on sponsoring and kept on supporting, um, which I think is about 16 years now. I've been pretty committed in this space. And so because you've been doing this for 16 years, you know, committed to gender diversity in construction, what have you noticed? What, what are the differences between when you first started being a leader in this space to now? What have you noticed for women? Has it been less challenging for women to get into the construction industry is it better on sites what what is your take on it yeah i think um so there are still problems in the industry but i my uh, i guess my journey if you like i've seen a, a very different a very uh significant change over the last 16 years from a, a domain in construction which was a, a whole lot of boys and, and very much a men's club and that is what we stereotypically refer to constantly in the industry that still exists. Now, I'm sure it actually does still exist in a number of areas of the industry, but where I and other people like me um, and other committees, you know, like the women in construction committees that I tend to work with, where we have influence, it's it's becoming way less uh, like that these days. We, on this project at the moment, have 30% professional women in our team. That's amazing. I mean, that's yeah, amazing. We're, we're doing well, but and I, I'm not really about statistics, and I'm not really about hitting um, benchmarks. I'm more about if I've got 
women and men working in this in this work environment, working professionally together, and it's just becoming more normal, well, that's the achievement. Um, I, I don't really like to aspire to percentages and, um, you know, 50-50 benchmarks and things like that. I just like to aspire to looking out my, my door in my office and seeing a whole lot of people from a whole lot of different backgrounds and gender in this conversation, working together just as professionals and enjoying the, the work that they're doing. And that's happening. Absolutely. And I think it's really important to get that diversity right, whether it's gender or religious backgrounds or age. It's all about what people can bring to the table. So I love that that's what drives you rather than the the benchmarking of, um, you know, of targets or quotas. It's around, are we cohesive? Are we working as a team? Yep. What can everybody bring? And I really love that. I think that's a really great way. It's interesting that perspective on diversity, right, because the industry started back, you know, quite a while ago, the, the focus on trying to be diverse was all about gender. And I think it was almost the easy topic. I think um, the evolution of the industry over the last you know decade or two um, has been about diversity in a whole lot of different areas in, in culture, religion, in sexuality, in ethnicity, uh, in, in gender, in disability, in age, in, in every area. And I think the more we push diversity in all areas, the more it just makes the gender balance become normal. Um, I often reflect uh, or talk to the team about our environment inside our work environment should reflect what our clients' environment is, what our stakeholders' environment is, what the public environment out, you know, outside our front door is. Uh, so it just becomes normal that we're all just working together and we're a, a cross-section of society. Amazing. And it's so true because that's what diversity is about. It's not just one topic, right? It's not just gender. It is about what do people bring to the table? And I and I really love that that's how you put it. You know, it's it's about if we just look at diversity in general, then the gender topic becomes less and less and we'll see more and more women coming through anyway with just a, gen, a diversity focus. Yep, I think that's right, Lauren. It's interesting because, Steve, I'm really excited to have you on the podcast because you're the first male that I'm interviewing, which is really, really exciting. There you us. go. So let's get... Let's be diverse up front so we can get diversity down the track. But maybe I'm the first, but let me not be the last. No, you won't be. I I can assure you that. And the reason that we wanted a male's perspective and we're going to get a number of different men on board is because we can't achieve achieve diversity if we're not being diverse ourselves, right? So we can't bang on about, you know, we need more women when we're not hearing from our amazing male allies as well in the in the industry. That's such a good call out, Lauren. I, I remember, I very distinctly remember one of the, uh, and I'm not being critical here of this particular organisation, but it was um, Engineers Australia or, um, and it was the, the um, women's sector of Engineers Australia who are doing a great job as well. But I remember going to a function and this is probably about like 12, 13 years ago, I went to a function and, and there was quite a lot of conversation about how do we make the industry more diverse in the gender space? And I was at the the function, I looked around, there were literally, you know, probably 80 people there and probably only about like five men. And uh, I put my hand up and said, look, I I think one thing you need to do here is you need to get gender diversity here in the first place. You need to be represented with a gender diverse uh, committee on the Engineers Australia and you need to get a gender diverse uh, participation in your audience here so we can have a gender diverse conversation about diversity. Um, I think the industry is doing better 
uh, these days in being diverse in its representation to achieve diversity, but I think we can still encourage it. Absolutely. And I think, um, you know, you hit the nail on the head there because I have spoken to you in the past about, you know, would you potentially look to apply for the director's role? Um, because, you know, having men on our board at NAWIC is also really important. Um, and so I think, you know, that diverse way of thinking goes in every direction. We need it in every facet of the industry. Yeah. And that's how we'll achieve true diversity. That's a real so. tough call out because I'd love to participate and hopefully one day I will, but just at the moment, I'm probably a, a little bit full of uh, of work and life and family and kids and things going on. So. One day I'll be there. Completely understand. We'll get you there one day, Steve. I'll, I'll keep pushing you I and pushing you the to invite, get there. I'll, uh, I'd love to be part of it. <laughs> so, what I'd like to know um, from your perspective is what have you noticed that's changed the most since you started in construction um, until now? So, just for you in general, um, you know, a male's perspective, what has changed the most just in construction in general? In construction in general, I think um, delivery of projects. Back in 2005, I was delivering a project down in Albury. It was a, it was the Albury Bypass job, and uh, and that project, uh, you know, and I'm not critical of that job because that team did a wonderful, wonderful job. But the focus there was, of course, about safety, but it was all about just building the job, and you know, any obstacle that was in the way was just about we'll move those things out of the way. We're just here to build the job. I think now, um, you know, I've been on a number of the, a couple of the West, West Connects projects, um, finished at Roselle Interchange just earlier this year, now on the M7, M12. We need to deliver now in, in, in environmental, in communications, in social um, inclusion, um, in, in employment. We need to need to and want to meet in various metrics in a number of different areas. We need to deliver our financial outcomes, of course, are fairly stable, uh, a, a stable or a stable requirement, or stable requirement, if you like. But it feels to me that we are not just here to build a job anymore and make money. We're actually here to build client relationships, um, build stakeholder engagement, achieve, um, you know, good levels of environmental satisfaction, get uh, sustainability. So, there's so many different uh, expectations on when you deliver a project, you must deliver across a whole lot of portfolios now, not just build the job and make money. And to deliver across that much broader range of deliverables, we actually need a broader range of diversity of thought in our teams to do that. Because <laughs> I feel a bit rude saying it, but you know, the old uh, 35 year old beer drinking footy playing male that doesn't deliver projects these days, that kind of you know, very stereotypical old hat ideal about what you need to build in construction. It's nowhere near the mark anymore. It doesn't, it doesn't give us what we need. A very diverse workplace is what we need to be able to deliver across those diverse deliverables. Amazing. And I think um, you touch on a really interesting point there around that, you know, 35-year-old male beer drinker it's very much still that stereotype that people look at construction and that's what they kind of think of. I was out at schools and I was asking young females what they thought construction was and that's exactly what they were thinking. It was this macho men on a building site, you know, that kind of person, you know. They didn't actually understand what construction was in its entirety or what jobs were available so with that in mind, I want to see if you, you're able to, you know, bust, bust some myths or um, 
talk about some misconceptions that exist in the construction industry, especially that are tailored for women. So we hear a lot of people saying, you know, women can't lift up these heavy items that we need, so they're no good on a job site, for example. But we know that OH&S regulations doesn't allow you to lift more than 20 kilos, so that's kind of a misconception there. So I want to hear it from you. What are some misconceptions out there in construction that is not only just related to women but also men? And then are there some, you know, myths out there that we can absolutely bust as well today? Yeah. Look, there, there still are those myths and those many of those myths are, are legacy myths. But I think we're too quick to judge the entire construction industry as one sort of one myth that, you know, it exists everywhere, that the, the whole industry has a problem. I do think there's a room to, there's there's definitely room to grow in every single organisation, but I think um, across you know all the the, the many organisations are involved in infrastructure, many of them are really doing some great things to bust these myths. You don't need strength to be construction. In fact, you actually need smarts more than you need strength um, to do what we do. We've got machines that do all heavy lifting work because I don't want male or female doing some of the uh, manual tasks that they used to do because. They're humans, not machines, and machines are better at it. Um, I think when it comes to a large amount of our employment, which is in the office, well, I'm not looking for uh, strength or, you know, like physical strength. Um, I'm not looking for any particular um, mould to be filled with any of our staff. I'm actually just looking for diversity of people and capability and, and, you know, mental capability and, you know, smart people and educated people and capable people uh, to do what is, you know, running a project at various levels. Um, that And those kind of needs of a project are not confined by any kind of um, stereotype. I think as far as busting the myth, it's funny you say uh, when you talk to people at schools and things, I get that that imagery still holds, but I think the more we get people from schools, you know, early learning, um, even primary school and then high school uh, and then, of course, university, the more we get those kind of people in the industry for, you know, the old-style work experience, which I think is really valuable, but even just doing school tours and, and just bring schools out to our projects to show them, hey, diverse workplace, walk through the office, look, men and women everywhere, um, people from all walks of life, and then go out on the construction site and just see that, hey, this is actually quite fun you know, building stuff is actually quite fun. It's not, it's not, um, it's not sort of, it doesn't require any kind of stereotype to go and build the job. It just actually needs a whole lot of great people to work together to build it. And I think the more the industry and the industry is doing this better and better, the more the industry gets exposure to younger men and women as they or younger people, I should say, coming through schooling to understand what construction can be about, um, it's a continual education process. I don't think we'll smash the myths overnight, but I think we're traveling a pretty decent journey over the last you know, decade, maybe two, maybe one and a half decades uh, to just change and adjust that myth. I think the more people we have on our construction sites who are from various diverse backgrounds and gender background, the more those myths start to dissipate, just become the old, old style or the old thought. And, and so, Steve, I want to know from you as well is – what do you think women found challenging or find challenging as opposed to how men would find coming into the construction industry or being on site? Are there is there a point of difference for men and women that you have seen or that you've experienced 
And I just kind of want to know a little bit about that. Like, what do you think you don't experience, whereas a female um, would, and vice versa? What things do you experience that maybe a female wouldn't either? Well, that's a that's actually a fairly tough question because to answer those kind of questions, you you tend to often work towards a stereotype, um, and and there are those stereotype typical images of of what women are and what men are, and. And I don't like to associate men and women with those stereotypes. I just like to associate each individual as the individual self. So I think the challenges um, for men and women coming into this industry are more about personal challenges. I, I do accept there are, um, you know, there's whole debates around, you know, uh, men and women and what is more challenging for, for women than men. I, I get that. There's a lot of debate around that. My perspective is I try and just assess for individuals, um, you know, there, there, there are men that come into this industry that find it particularly challenging for certain reasons. Um, maybe they're similar to what some women experience. Maybe they're just totally different themselves. I think the more we try and treat individual people as individuals and understand, well, what what do you want out of your career and what is going to be challenging for you, given, you know, your style of person, given your education, given your family family needs, given your, you know, needs for workplace flexibility, given your personal needs and capabilities, how do we make this industry good for you? And if we do that on a person-to-person basis, I think we'll inevitably get the goal that we're after. Um, I always struggle with knowing exactly what is more challenging for women in the industry because it always takes me down this stereotypical path of trying to categorize and I deliberately try not to do that. And Steve, you actually touched on something really important there. You talked about um, looking at people as individuals and then understanding their individual needs and in particular around the flexible working. So I want to talk to you a little bit about how you approached, we had this conversation a little while ago around your flexible working in your team. And I really want to get your take on it because I think it's a really valuable point, something that other businesses can actually adapt as well. Um, can you talk to me about your flexibility yep. within your, your site? So workplace flexibility, you know, definitely plays out. The needs of workplace flexibility are, are more uh, needed by women at the moment because women, you know, uh, childbirth, raising families, early childhood, and the, you know, the stats show, and we all know that many more women uh, bring up the kids from a very young age than men. Uh, you know, it is what it is. So the need for workplace flexibility does exist for both men and women. It's just a lot more for women at the moment. And maybe in the future that will um, become more equitable. I don't know. We on this project have a number of um, men. Uh, well, first of all, we've got, you know, um, primary carers. So those primary care duties, uh, you know, we're seeing a lot more men these days uh, entertaining primary care duties and taking um, parent leave uh, for an extended period of time to be able to raise their kids and bond with their kids. That's something the industry did. Which is amazing. Yeah, it's great. Absolutely amazing. We've, I've got uh, literally two who have just returned and the experience to men who have just literally returned, I've of course got a few women in the same um same place but the experience that the men coming back saying hey i had that opportunity to bond with my kids and and to raise them that's unprecedented in the industry and a lot of the you know companies involved in this industry are doing that these days but it's great that the industry holistically is grabbing that opportunity it also gives those men and then by virtue of 
it's almost contagious, right? The conversation from those kind of men spreads through the other men and women in our team about how good it was, how it was endorsed by the company, how it's it's a value uh, thing to do. It, it provides value between you and your family. So now there'll be more, some more men thinking, hey, actually that's okay. We're traditionally, I oh, know I'm the bloke, I don't take time off work. And then more women going, well, the men and women are doing this. So this is okay. This is good. And I reckon over the last sort of five, 10 years, I've seen so many more people taking parent leave and bonding with their kids. But then in just in the flexibility, John Holt, we have a, a what's called a flexibility wheel. It's seven different approaches to flexibility, whether it's changing of days, whether it's reduced hours, whether it's short days, long days. Uh, late starts. There's various forms of flexibility and everyone's an individual and every family's, you know, got their own circumstances to deal with. But I have in this team, I've got over 220 staff at the moment, we have quite a few different approaches within our team of flexibility. You know, some people don't, they work from home on certain days because of childcare. Other people start late on certain days because they need to drop kids off. Other people have, um, they leave work a little bit early on a particular day because they've got to go to sport training. There's quite a few different forms depending on individual circumstances, both men and women just adapting their workplace to cater for their home or their family but also cater for the work needs and, and balance that off. In this space, I think the more men who take on flexible work practices, the more it becomes okay for mm. all men and, and women to adopt the same. And I'm, I'm really seeing that in the industry at the moment, certainly in John Holland and, and it, certainly on this project. And that makes me so happy to hear that because flexibility looks so different for everybody. It's not the same. Everybody has different needs. Everybody has different things to do. So being able to be flexible for individual people while also doing the right thing to get the job done is so important. And sometimes I think organisations tend to forget that we're hiring adults. These are adults that know what to do. They know their job. They know how they're going to work the best. And I think if we allow them that flexibility, the rewards for the business are huge because they want to stay, they want to come to work. They're also able to balance a lot, you know, their life and work and they're a much happier culture. It also, what you were touching on was really, it's really important because by men accessing the policies and the leaves and flexible work, it starts to break down that stigma as well. I know for a lot of men, you know, leaving to go and pick up children can sometimes have that negative effect with some other people on site, like, oh, you're leaving early, you know, that little banter. Yeah. It doesn't seem harsh, but it is still there, even for men. Yes. Right. It is. Oh, you know, where's your wife? What are you doing? What what you know, that kind of talk. Yeah. And so the more we do this and the more we allow for this flexibility for everybody, it just becomes normal. And flexibility can't happen unless the whole team's part of it, right? Like we're all here as a team. Yeah, I I think most workplaces do experience a bit of that banter that you referred to. I've heard one, you know, a a bit of it here as well. And we stamp it out. And and I say to people, when you leave and you leave early, leave loud. Hey, see, tell tell everyone, tell your team, I'm going. Go on and pick up my kids. Yeah, leave loud. You know, and then go on and see my kids play soccer. Going to, oh, my kid's sick. I have to go and pick them up. There's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely. We can work around that kind of, you know, family challenges and and young young kids with with sickness and illness. That's what carers leaves for. So use it. No problem. Or leave early because you've got to go and tend to your family's needs. Fine. You know, if you're a professional, 
you manage your work environment, you have deliverables, uh, your managers should be across that and uh, and adjust your workplace to suit. I will give a shout out. One thing we've just launched recently on this project, which my people team is particularly proud of, we've just launched uh, Late Start. And what Late Start is, uh, is an 845 toolbox oh, wow. uh, for workers, for blue collar, for our workers out in the field, which is, uh, of course, at the moment, we've biased a little bit towards women. Um, just to start the program and get it going. And we will we would extend it once we get a cohort going and everything. But a late start at an 845 toolbox enables some families to be able to drop kids off at daycare and then come to work. Absolutely. And instead of working a day that is usually from seven till five, they would work a day that's nine till five in the field um, and then finish up and, and head off. But that late start just gives that ability for some people to not have to be here at 6.45 in the morning. So we're starting this program and we'll start in the new year. We've already got interest and uh, job applications that we've received already. So uh, we'll give that a shot. I think it'll work. Uh, in fact, I'm quite That's confident amazing. it will. So. That's amazing because for anyone who's dropped off children in a childcare, a lot of childcare centres are opening at around 6.30, but to be at work at 6.45, it's very challenging, you know, yeah. how, how do you do that, yeah. you know? So I think that's a really great example of how flexibility in the workplace can work yep. you know you can drop off your child it can still be early but at least you have that flexibility to start by eight forty-five, and you're not rushing you know school starts at nine o'clock most of the schools my kids start at 8 30 so that's a really great way to include people it's just something um, new isn't it and you know, the industry just needs to keep on trying new things and see what is working. I mean, most things will work if you put enough energy behind them, but then you want to look at, well, what works most for the broadest audience and what is what are successful initiatives? If the more the industry tries these different things, which are a little bit out of the, out of the box at times, but let's give them a go. I really would encourage John Holland to to um, encourage men to take that start as well. I know you're starting it out with, with, with predominantly focused on yep. women, but it would be really important to start to encourage, encourage the men as well because that is a shared load um, for parents, yep. right? So I think that's an amazing journey and I can't wait to hear more yeah. about as it. As with most initiatives, you, you start start off modestly, make them successful and then expand them and just make – because you yep. don't want these – when you try new things in, in, in the industry, you don't want them to um, – be too hard, if you like, or, or, or cause difficulty in the workplace that you hadn't predicted. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's a really good stepping stone um, into what flexibility can look like for everybody yep. on the job sites. And so, Steve, talk to me a little bit about what keeps you in this industry. Like, why are you here? Why do you come to work every day? What do you love about it the most? Oh, that's, uh, gosh, I get asked that so many times. Um, I've been, I did start the in, in the industry in 1992 and sometimes I feel like an old fella. Um, but I actually still just enjoy what I do. It's a bit, it's almost a bit childish sometimes. If people ask me at a dinner party what I do for a living, I don't tell them I'm an engineer. It's a, it is a conversation killer every time. But what I do tell them is I'm a big kid in a big sandpit with big Tonka toys and I build stuff. And uh, as much as I used to build a lot of Lego and Meccano when I was a kid, I now do that on a bigger scale with a great team and I still enjoy it. I, you know, I still get a buzz out of what I, what I see my team doing and, and, you know, what they achieve within their teams and what they achieve together. Um, I step back sometimes and just watch them and look at them and go, yeah, that's pretty all right. That's, that's pretty cool what they're doing. 
Um, I am lucky. I'm blessed. I do work with some really fantastic people, and uh, and they they lead. They do a great job on this project and the other projects I've been associated with. Um, so what is at, at 1992 start? That means I'm 31 years in. Um, and I did add up the projects I've been on. I think this is my 34th project. I think um, that I've been pretty involved with, and I've had a great diversity of experience through my career and I, my conversations with younger people, men and women, is that uh, take all the opportunities. Uh, try try a, a job in a Broken Hill, go down to Victoria and do some work, work on some tunnels, dams, rail, bridges, roads, water, sewer, like just try it all because it's all different experience and it's all, you know, it just teaches you different things. The more projects you get on, the more people you work with, and you know, working with working with people in different styles of people, and you know, they all spin in different directions and do things differently. That growth in understanding how to work with people, how to manage different types of people, that's very satisfying when you um you sort of work that out. It takes a while. I love that analogy. You're a big kid in you know a sand pit, because I think what I am really intrigued about the construction industry is that it's it's very different to your normal kind of admin work or or anything like that it, because you're actually building something tangible yep. and you finish yep. something and then you can stand back and go, I I was a part of that or look what I built that helps the community yep. or, you know, when you're looking at those things, you know, your tunnel, the M7 to M12, it's going to connect a lot of people mm. um, and people will use that every day. It's, it's, it's an amazing feeling. It's an amazing sense of achievement. So I can see the pool to come back it, every it day. It is for many, like, you know, I, I drive my kids nuts when I drive to Queensland because I've been, <laughs> I've had a big history on the Pacific Highway with a number of jobs up and down the Pacific Highway and down to Melbourne as, as well, actually. And and driving through the jobs, hey, dad built this, dad built this. Well, dad didn't build any of it, actually. But but the teams that I look, worked with, they did all the work. I just watched them. Um, but it, it's a very, pr- it's very, it, it's a very proud moment when you, walk past, walk through, drive over projects you've been a part of uh, going, yeah, I, I've, I did that. I was part of that. Um, you know, it's part of my, my life of, uh, of, of work um, and, and it's tangible and you are providing a legacy for, for people or traffic or, you know, the public. Uh, it's very proud. I did walk through the Roselle interchange just very recently and those parklands uh, above all the tunnels that you can't see anymore, they're, they're, they're fantastic. And when you walk through, and as I did just by myself, just walking through going, geez, I had a good team who did this. And I look around and um, without being condescending, I was actually, it's funny when you say you're proud of people because it feels like a dad thing. But I actually was very proud of the team for what they did. And it's marvellous um, on that project. And that's just one of my number of projects I've been lucky enough to be involved with. Yeah, and I, I really, I can really see that proud moment. Yeah. It's not like a dad thing. I think it's just proud to be part of something and people that have done something amazing. So um, kudos for that. Yeah. That was, you know, I, it's a, just for everything that you've done in your career. You know what, what made me really think of that one day? It was literally back 15 years ago and I had a young engineer. He'd just started um, and, and on that project had a number of females as well who there's stories there as well. But this young particular engineer, he was involved. He, he was the engineer, young engineer responsible for a particular bridge. Anyway, the bridge ended up in the newspaper at, on the Albury paper or something like that. Front page, he's mm-hmm. there standing there and his, his grandma saw the photo because she lived in Albury and his grandma saw 
this young engineer standing on the bridge that, you know, he would say, that's my bridge and that's okay. Um, he was so pumped that, you know, he felt he felt like he was part of something and he'd been recognised by his families. Mm -hmm. And I think the industry provides those opportunities for everyone to, to say, hey, mm -hmm. this is my piece. I, I built this. And, uh, this, and it is yeah. a proud opportunity for many people to be able to be part of that. You know, whether you're all, all different professions provide different levels of job satisfaction, but when you're standing on a piece of infrastructure you've been part of, it's quite an experience. It just sounds like that is something that a lot of young people or people in different industries would want to be a part of. Like that gave me goosebumps just listening to you, <laughs> thinking like, oh, wow, like how amazing would it be to be part of something like this? So I think, you know, for young people out there or for people that are listening that want to have never thought of construction, I think that's a really big pull to the construction industry. And I think that's a really positive thing. So what do you think could happen here? Like what would you like to see happen in construction so that we see more women coming through? Um, what, what do you think will, will get those women coming through, whether it's from different industries and their, you know, skills are interchangeable, whether it's young females coming through, what do you think needs to happen? And, you know, you're very proud of what you do and you love what you do. So what do we need to do to get these women into construction yeah. to feel this? I think back to, you know, I think promotion through primary school, high school and universities. I think there's a lot about sowing seeds about this is actually quite a fun experience. Um, you know, part of it and, and, and the construction is not just, lit I mean, I talk about building because I'm a bit of an engineer, but being part of a an infrastructure project, I mean, you can be the financial in the financial team looking after all the finances, or you can be in the communications team looking after stakeholder engagement and and promotions, or you're part of the people team and you're you're there to build people as opposed to build the project. That there are all these disciplines as part of running a project that are all you know opportunities for people of all different. Uh, you don't need to be an engineer to get into construction. You don't need to fit a construction mould. You know, the fact that our projects are so diverse these days and require communications, environmental specialists, safety specialists, financial capable people, you need all these different areas. So I think people don't really understand the diversity of delivery in construction. They just think you've got to be like an engineering construction type person to go and do it. I think we need to, the industry needs to talk more into schools and then universities and schools is sort of the sowing seed ground so that young people know that, hey, that, that construction industry, it's actually, it's got opportunity in it so that as those kids start coming through school, they see these opportunities. Um, that's where the work's got to be done. Of course, the universities are still spitting out only 12 or 14% people who are like engineers sorry, 12 or 14% female engineers, but we don't need to just tap into that engineering type market. We need to tap into um, many different, uh, you know, university qualified people or trades qualified people or unqualified people to be perfectly honest and tap into all those areas to bring them into the, into the industry. I think we more, the more we do that and tap into females to get females wanting to Become, become part of this, uh, the more it's, it becomes a little bit contagious. So, you know, friends tell friends and they tell other friends about, hey, I'm involved in construction uh, and I'm an environmentalist uh, in construction and it's really cool. I'm really enjoying the job. Then they, they tell three friends and those three friends tell three friends. It's a little bit contagious. We need to keep 
sharing that message. We do, of course, need to make sure that the experience for all of our staff on the job and females in this case, that it's a fulfilling, engaging and professionally uh, uh, professional development experience for those people so that they do promote positively in the industry. And the reason I call that out is because, um, of course, there are females in the industry who will call out some negative things in, in the industry. And I think that those negative things seek to work against this agenda that we're talking about. Um, and when negative things happen, then we as senior leaders and managers need to just jump on them really quickly and deal with them and, and make sure that they appropriately deal with and not sort of swept under the carpet. You know, if I talk to my peers and understand what my peers are doing in, in other companies outside of John Holland where I work, you know, I think that is happening more and more across the industry. Uh, I'm certainly very proud of the way John Holland deal with those things, but the industry generally is, is managing the space better so that the experience, employee experience is a more fulfilling experience. I know you've been in construction for 31 years, but do you think some of those negative experiences are only in construction or do you think this is a just a cultural issue in society? It, it's it's everywhere, unfortunately. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It's not it is not <laughs> Would agree. Yeah. I mean, look, you know, I've you know, I've got my friends who work in all different industries and, and they've got similar stories to tell. I, I don't know the stats to know if it's worse better or worse in construction, but I'm not really worried about it's, that's not my focus that, oh, it's better here or worse here or whatever. My focus is if things aren't optimal for a staff experience, male or female, to be honest, but if they're not optimal, what can I do to improve that, change it, address it, fix it, whatever, uh, or not just me, but, you know, the, the, the great team that I, I'm a part of here, what can we all do together to just make the experience in construction better? Absolutely. And and you've hit the nail on the head. I mean, I've worked in various industries and the problems are everywhere. I mean, even in education, men are paid higher than women and yet women make up 80% of the education industry. So there's these challenges that we face in every single yeah. um, industry. It's not just a construction alone. Construction might have specific things that are specific to the industry that only happen here, but in terms of the issues, they're... They're everywhere. Yeah. It's not just construction's issue. I think you touched on sense. a really good point there, right? And and I've said this to a, a few people that sometimes I think, you know, when bad things go on in our industry and in every other industry, uh, then we tend to tag that and then generalise that that's how it is more generally. And I think all that tends to do is talk to the negatives all the time and and sort of stereotype the industry as a certain thing based on, well, here's my evidence, here's my three examples, so the whole industry is bad type, you know, that kind of conversation and mm. many a dinner conversation or even a professional conversation heads into that direction. What I like to do is, of course, you, you'll find good and bad examples if you go and look for them and you can hold them up. But what I like to do is there are so many good companies doing so much good work. Well, let's talk more about the successful things in the industry and what the industry is doing really well. I'm not going to pretend to think that we find three good examples and the whole industry is glossy. But let's just focus on all the good things that various companies and leaders and teams and project teams and corporate teams are doing and let's talk about them because you know what when you start talking about the three good examples that are happening in the industry in the gender space all of a sudden other companies go oh that's a good idea i'm going to go better and you know you start to promote conversation about how can we do that and do it even a little bit better as opposed to 
setting a low bar for the industry and then patting yourself on the back when you've risen above the low bar. I mean, what, mm. what kind of a what kind of a driver is that? I'd like to set high exactly. bars and let's see if we can jump over them even, you know, a, a little bit higher. And I think you're right. I think we need to start cross-promoting what people are doing, what's amazing in the industry, why people would come, why people would stay, and what is out there that's really good about it because there are so many good things and there's that analogy that, you know, one negative thing can crush, you know, five or ten positive things and it's so true so we need to work hard to see what is working in this industry what's good and replicate that and make it better as you said because that should be the focus yeah i really agree with that it 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 really works positive behaviors drive positive behaviors and negative behaviors just or negative uh, examples just drive others to try and not sort of achieve a low uh, standard yeah and so my final question for you steve and i've been i've had such a great conversation with you today so again thank you so much for joining us but I want to know what your pledge is for the next year in relation to having women in or just to having women in construction so what's your pledge for women in construction my pledge well interesting you have that conversation because on the last project we actually uh, across a a broad management team we actually sought and got uh, a number of pledges from all the senior managers and and by volume that was really effective. We actually achieved in a one year space, um, well over 100% compliance or completion if you like of our pledges. Um, And that was a really good initiative. My pledges uh, in that because I was um, the the senior leadership team sponsor for those that Women in Construction Committee was to ensure that all the pledges were met which they were, so that, you know, by volume, there was uh, 53 main pledges and we achieved them all. My Amazing. more personal pledge at the moment, and, and I do intend uh, at the beginning of next year, our team, my people team, they're, they're a fantastic team, we'll roll out pledges again, that's on our agenda. But my personal pledge is in the space of growth uh, of some of the individuals on this team and by growing certain individuals then it's a bit contagious as i used the term before where if i grow a few individuals then they will communicate to others and and then i'd into others as well but my pledge at the moment is is to focus on growth of individuals um to make sure that they're developing as professionals if females obviously uh, my other pledge at the moment is my you know absolute support to the people team who are very committed in the gender space uh, in promoting, you know, we've got a women in construction committee on the project and they have a lot of ideas and things that they're doing. But my pledge is to absolutely support the people team and the women in construction team for all of the initiatives that they've already got listed down of the things that we're going to achieve on this project. That's my pledge. Uh, I think you're an amazing human, Steve, and I think, uh, well, I think I've got an amazing team, actually. Um, I think so too. Um, But I I think you're very humble, Steve. I think you you are an amazing human. Um, I think people that work for you would be very, um, it it would be a pleasure to work for you. And and I think, um, yeah, just the way you are, it comes really, it comes across the kind of team that you would develop. So, I just wanted to say thank you again for having uh, for coming onto the podcast. It was a pleasure to chat. Oh, it's to absolutely you. pleasure, Lauren, to have a, have a bit of a chat. Um, I think ongoing discussions like this between you and and I and a lot of other people that share the same uh, passion for what we're trying to achieve here. These conversations are positive conversations, and we learn off each other, and then we can inspire others to keep on doing these things. So, uh, 
yeah, I, uh, I really enjoyed the conversation with you this morning. That's terrific. And, uh, and I enjoy my, uh, my support of NAWIC and, and what NAWIC, I love seeing what NAWIC are doing in the industry and leading the industry. Um, so I'm very passionate about my support there as well. Thanks so much, Steve. Okay, have a great day. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Leaky Pipeline. Let us know your thoughts about this episode or leave us a review wherever you get your podcast. Don't forget to share us with your friends. And to find out more about Narwick, head to our website at narwick.com.au. Thank you.